Welcome to church. Happy Orthodox Easter, everyone. Come on. No? no? Okay, whatever. Hey, man, it's great to be in church today, isn't it? We don't just have church on Easter. We have it every single week. Amen. Hey, I want to just look at the camera, send my love to our Lancaster campus just tuning in live. Can we just welcome our Lancaster campus? Come on, help me out. Monday night church. If you're watching this online, uh, we're honored to have you. We're excited. If you came Easter and you came back, man, we're, gl we're just glad to have you. We hope you come and be part of a very dysfunctional family. That's what we are. We're a family. It's messed up, but we're still family. Amen. Hey, I'm excited about this brand new series. It is going to be a lot of fun. We are diving into a new series. How, how many of you, real quick, both locations, show of hands, you have seen a car with a coexist bumper sticker on it. Raise your hand high if you have. I mean, most of us have probably seen that symbol or that bumper sticker. And maybe first time you saw it, you're like, what, what is that? I don't understand what that is. Well, it's kind of the premise of where we're going as a church and what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. Okay, here's the thing. I want you to think in your mind. What is the first thing that pops in your mind when you see that bumper sticker? Don't, don't say it out loud, but what's the first thing you think of? Here's what maybe some of us, when we see that bumper sticker, think about. We, we think about religious differences. Oh, there's the differences, and we see that in the symbols. Or maybe we think about social differences. Well, there seems to be quite a difference in, you know, socially and some of the symbols and kind of bring that to a light. We, we, maybe it's, it's just in general it's this idea of, hey, there's a lot of differences. Here's the kind of basic premise, right? But in the end, can't we all just get along? Can't we coexist together? And so I want to talk about it. I, I want to. In fact, this series is going to be very different than other ones. Um, it's going to feel different. In fact, some weeks it might feel more like I'm just trying to create a conversation than I am preaching a sermon to you, okay? Some weeks, because here's why, we're going to dive into some topics that are, they're, they're very, I don't know, they're, they're hot, they're something that we're talking about in culture, and I want us to recognize there are some things that we are facing in culture today that we don't necessarily have, or they weren't around when the Bible was written. And so we've got to wrestle, and we've got to deal with some of these things today, and so listen, where, where the Bible speaks to and where I can apply, we're going to talk about that. But, but here's what I understand is being a Christian today, if you are, I'm a Christian, in a, in a world today that is moving in a direction away from faith, uh, it, it can create some serious tension. It really can. It can be very challenging. And, and I want us to all recognize something even right now as we begin this series, okay? There are major differences just in the room that you're in right now. Okay, I, we might be in the same church, but let's be honest, uh, even within the same church, within the same room right now, there's a wide array of differences when it comes to political, when it comes to social issues, when it comes to religion. L let's face it, we got a wide spectrum of people that have different beliefs about faith, about religion in the room right now. So we need to understand and learn how to respect those differences. Okay, Here, here's the thing. We're going to create some conversations and some of this might be thought provoking and some of it might you may go I, I believe something different okay but at the end of the day here's what I would love to see if we're going to have conversations around some of these topics it should be done in the most loving and honoring way possible 
And this is the problem today in our culture is it's more fighting, screaming, yelling, saying things on social media than it is really listening and loving and respecting and honoring somebody even if they have a different point of view or a different belief. So I want to challenge you, all of us, that if we're going to have conversations and you'll get in conversations with people at work and school and family, let's make sure we do it in a way that honors the God that we worship. Amen? Cool. Now let me give you just kind of a roadmap of where we're going because I think that this is a series where many of you might go, I would like to invite somebody. Or it's going to be a series that's going to speak directly to you and where you are in this journey of faith. Okay? Next week, next week we're going to talk about the difference between Christianity and the other religions of the world. Now, I'm not going to talk about all the other religions of the world, but we're going to highlight what are the major differences. Come on, because some of you might have come to church saying, are they really that different? I mean, it's just, you know, you call this God this, and you got this God for that, but in the end, aren't they all basically the same? And I would argue and say, no, they're not. There's some, there's some stark differences between Christianity and all the other religions of the world. We're going to talk about that next week, but in a very respectful manner. Okay, week three, this is going to be a great week to invite somebody that maybe stopped going to church. It's going to be a great week to invite somebody that says, I don't believe in God. Uh, in week three, I want to talk about a growing category within our culture of people that are basically walking away from faith altogether. Or if they were asked to mark a box of their faith or religion, they would mark the box none of the above. This is a growing thing in our culture today where a lot of people are saying, you know what, I, I don't know that I buy any faith. I don't know this. In fact, if you're, if you're someone who says, that's you, you don't know, week three is going to be an incredible week for you. And if you know somebody, that, that maybe you say, maybe they've walked away or they say, I'm an atheist or I'm agnostic or I'm this, I would really encourage you to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? We're going to be talking about it, and I promise you, that, um, uh, that it's, it's not going to be in a, in a bad way or anything like that. I think it's going to be a very honoring way. Um, but I think we're going to talk about it. And then week four of the series, this is going to be a fun one. I want to try to answer this question. Can faith and science coexist? Can faith and science, because it feels like that faith and science are opposite ends of the spectrum, constantly fighting. Either you're a person of faith or you're a person of science, but you can't be both. That's, that's what some think. We're going to talk about can they coexist. Now today, as we, we kick off this series, it's really going to be a little bit of an introduction. I'm going to just tease you a little bit, get you to come back next week. And uh, I want to talk, though, about what I think is like a growing thought bubble in our culture today. And that is around this idea of spiritual options. Options when it comes to spirituality. Now, I want us to recognize something about America. America has quickly become an incredibly diverse place. We are a country that was founded by people who came from other countries. Okay, America is. America is a melting pot of ethnicities, of different origins, different belief systems, different religions. That is what America is. It's a melting pot, very diverse, very beautiful, and very unique in that regard than maybe some other places around the world. And with that, the differences and the, the variety ha has kind of created a lot of options. There's options. You have options in every city. You have options for different types of church, different types of faith systems. We have lots of options when it comes to spiritual things. And here's the thing. In America, we like that. 
Let's be honest. In America, we have lots of options and we love our options, don't we? We love options. Like I, I would argue when you go to buy a car, right? What is the most important thing when you're buying a car? It's the options. I, I, I promise you, it's the options. Nobody's asking like real serious questions about what's under the hood. I mean, you might want to know how much horsepower and all that, but no one's kind of asking, hey, can you tell me where the wheel bearings came from? Because I just need to know how they were made and what, you know, if they're going to you know, support the thing. And you know what I mean? Like no one's asking questions. Can you tell me about the transmission and the teeth and how they're made? Like, is this like what kind of steel did they use? And as you know, no one's asking questions like that. You want to know what we're asking, what we want to know? We're like, does this have leather or not? Heated seats? No, 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 that's not good enough. I need heated and cold seats because my butt gets hot in the summer, so I need it to cool down, and in the winter, I need it hot. You know what I mean? We're looking for options. I want to know. This doesn't, I don't, backup camera? That's the thing of the past. I need 360 camera all the way around. I want to be able to see my car from outer space. I want to know what's around it, right? There's, we're looking for options, right? Moonroof front and back. We, we want all these options. Here's a great thing, right? There's all kinds of lane assist and there's autopilot. In fact, if you're probably, my guess, 30 and under, I'm not going to ask you to show hands. My guess is you don't even know how to parallel park. Nope. No idea how to parallel park. Good news. We have an option for that. There's parking assist. You just pull up, hit the button, and it automatically pulls you into the spot, right? Some of you are like, I can drive now, right? We, we love options, and let's face it, when we're going to buy a car, we want options. We buy a house, we want to know the options. What kind of floors, upgrade, this and that, right? When we go to college, we're looking for options. Public school, private you know, school, is it Christian, is it this? Do they have this kind of program? When we're going to put our kids in a school, we want to know, do we have options where we're going on vacation, where we're shopping, where we worship? Yeah. We want options when it comes to worship. We, we want, oh man, that's beautiful today. There's a church on every street corner. I don't like this one. I'll go to the next one. We are looking for options. And I was thinking about why do we have so many options and why do we love our options? And the truth is this, because we're all very different. It's the only reason to have options. It's because we're different. We don't all think the same. We, all, we don't all come from the same background. We don't all like the same things. You ever notice that? Like, like you will figure this out very quickly the moment you get married. It's true. You and your spouse, different, aren't you? You figure that out. We figured that out very quickly. In fact, uh, my, my wife and I, we have a very different palate when it comes to eating food. Very different. I don't know if any of you do this, right? My wife has a very wide palate. She likes a lot of different foods. Some of you like that, like everything. She likes pretty much everything. Wide palate. I have a very narrow palate. It's very sensitive. I, I like certain things, okay? And the truth is, I feel like that is the godly way because Jesus said narrow is the path that leads to everlasting and wide is the path that goes to destruction. And so, I, I got, and, and it, you can ask her, it creates some problems sometimes. We have the hardest time going out to eat together. We do. You can ask her, like, we, we tried to go out to eat, like, last week, and uh, it, it got so bad. I, at one point, I was like, I'm done. I don't even want to eat. Let's just go home. And just so you know, I'm the problem, not her. It's really true, because she'll eat anywhere. But you guys ever have this conversation where she's like, you pick? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You pick. I don't really feel like I don't care. And she's like, how about Mexican? I'm like, mm. 
can we not do Mexican? I don't want Mexican. How about this place? Oh, I don't like to wait there. That just takes forever. What about this place? I don't like their, I don't know. Their food's not that great. Finally, she's like, you pick. I'm done. You pick. But then I don't want to pick because then I feel like a jerk if I pick where I want to go because that's insensitive. So then it's just like, let's just go home and forget it. Isn't it true? It's so true. We can't even go out to eat together. It's awful. Like, like there, there, there's so much, there's differences. It's so crazy. And, and we love our options. We do. And here's the thing. Today, people want options when it comes to spirituality. Like if there's options, I take it. I want options. P- people want, listen, people want a faith or a religion, if we're going to have one, that fits into their values, not the other way around. Not a faith that's going to tell them their values, but a faith that fits into their values. Today, people, when it comes to their faith, they want something that's convenient, that's going to fit their lifestyle, not a faith that's going to direct them on how they're going to live. And so today, we're like, I I want options. And because of that, in this culture that we have, has kind of come to the surface this concept of coexist. We're different. We have different ways of seeing things, when it comes to faith, when it comes to life, when it comes to, we're different. And so this idea of coexistence, I want to say I understand the premise behind it. We're all different. We look different, sound different, we think different. This idea, can't we get along? Can't we coexist peacefully together? And that would be awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But one thing we need to recognize is that there's a challenge in the same concept of coexist that I want to talk about, right? Because because the thought is that can any one person say that this one is more right than another? That's what's coming from this. Come on, come on. Can't let's not let's not you know listen. We in order to get along, we need to stop with saying there's one way, there's one truth. It's become, can anyone really, come on, that seems almost dogmatic. You're going to tell me that this religion is the right one? Oh, that's pushy. That's insensitive. Like, like that's kind of where we are today. And listen, there's a tension we need to recognize. Let's just understand this, right? There's, there's a tension around, can we get along peacefully? And that's awesome. But, but there's a tension because it's gone beyond just that to a place that says, and now listen, if you're a person of faith, says that if you do not accept someone else's beliefs to be equally true, then you will be seen as dismissive, intolerant, or discriminatory. I didn't say to accept them. I said if you will not accept someone else's beliefs to be equally true, and it creates, let's be honest, a real tension if you're a person of faith. If you're somebody that says, I have values, I have morals, my faith kind of directs me in how I live, how we raise our kids, what we do with our time, our money, what we believe in. If you are someone that holds on to that, listen to me, this whole entire movement is going to create some real tension for you. Now, I want to I be someone that at least says this and recognize, I understand the energy behind the coexist concept. I, I understand it. And I don't fault it. I understand, like, the, the behind this movement, here's why people feel this way so strongly in our culture, is because for far too long, people have been maligned and mistreated because they look different, because they believe different. 
And so out of that, I get that. There's, there's this big desire to say, wait, 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 come on, come on. Can't we just coexist? Can't we do that? And that's awesome. I think that's great. But recognize this tension. Here's what I want to talk about. There's a serious tension, especially if you're a Christ follower. Because on one hand, I, I kind of believe the fact that if anybody should be loving and accepting and welcoming of people, it should be Christians. In fact, I believe the most loving people on this planet should be followers of Jesus Christ because that's the way he was. Jesus would love someone who didn't believe in him, who didn't like him, who was nothing like him. Jesus loved tax collectors. We talked about that in the series before. Jesus loved sinners. Jesus had a heart and compassion for people. In fact, he's the very one that when they're nailing him to a cross, says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is a guy with ultimate compassion. And on one side, here's Jesus who's love and would embrace you no matter what you've done or where you've been. But on the other side, the same Jesus also said some things that are so exclusionary that would not fit well in the culture today. You need to know that. This Jesus, he, he made some claims, said some things that honestly fly in the face of the movement of coexist in the culture today. In fact, I want to read one of those claims to you today. It's found in John chapter 14, verse 6. Now listen, maybe if you grew up in church, you've heard this verse a lot. You're like, oh, I love that verse. Such a good verse. But I want you to consider what Jesus is saying in context of our conversation and coexist. He said this in John 14, verse 6. He answered, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Notice what he says next. This is kind of exclusive. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. Now, if you're a Christian, you're like, whoo, yeah, I love that verse. Got it memorized. Got it on a mug. It's awesome. John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I get all that. But can you just recognize that in our culture today, that is offensive? You trying to say that there's one way? You trying to say you're the way? You trying to say there's only one truth? Have you noticed that in our culture, the whole construct of truth has shifted? If you've been around long enough, if you haven't, you wouldn't know any different. But, but the whole construct of truth has changed significantly in my lifetime that I've seen. Um, today, here's a prevailing thought. You see this in colleges and universities. You'll see this in schools. You'll see it all over. Is the prevailing thought is this. Truth is whatever you want to make it. Don't tell me my truth. I will tell you your truth. If you believe your truth and really believe it, then we'll say it's true for you. But I'm going to say what I believe is true for me. And so now we live in a culture that says there's a lot of truths out there. And you're kind of discriminatory and you're kind of intolerant. And to say that your truth is the truth, no, 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 no. That doesn't go well. well come on, can't we all just coexist? I, I, I understand that. But here's the thing that's crazy. We want to say that your truth is your truth and my truth and my truth. And don't step on my toes, don't step on your toes when it comes to faith and when it comes to religion. But here's what I've discovered. That we don't use that same logic in any other arena of life. Only here do we say that so that we can coexist. We don't use that, no. Like, like if you're a student, right, you get a test graded, teacher gives you a D on your test, you can't kind of sit at it and kind of look through it and go uh, back to the teacher and go, um, look, I know you said you thought that one's wrong, you think that one's wrong, you think that one's wrong, but I believe that one's right. 
and that one's right, and that one's right. You put a D, I think it's an A. I think this is an A. This ain't D, this is an A. You know what? I'm holding on to it. That's an A. Now, you can do that all day long. In fact, if you're a student, try that this way. You get a C or something like that, go to your teacher. My pastor told me, listen, this ain't a C. This is an A. I'm telling you, you got this wrong. I know what's right. What I picked is right. You can say that. We can say that all we want. But here's the problem. Who gets to put the grade in the grade book? The teacher. In other words, when it comes to faith, religion, we want to say, come on, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, and we're all good, and we're like, you know, and, and, and it doesn't matter, does it? Jesus said it does. He said it actually does matter. And listen, someone say, but I believe it. If I believe in everything in me, here's what I've discovered. There are some things that you can believe with everything you have in you and still be wrong. I, 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 I kind of experienced this about seven or eight years ago. Eight years ago, we built our house. My wife and I, we built the house that we're in now. And, and I want to give you a little context because five years before that, we bought the property that our house sits on and we paid it off in five years. All our extra money, everything. So it's, the land was free and clear, paid for. We paid for it. That enabled us to build what we wanted to build. And on top of that, uh, her father is, uh, was been in construction much of his life had built houses, built buildings, was in concrete work. And so they had finished building their house and they said, we'll help you build yours. So we didn't have to go out and hire a builder. We could GC it ourselves, general contract. So we did that. And we had all kinds of benefits of doing that. Um, we dug the basement ourselves because we had people in the family that could do that. We did the driveway ourselves. We did the grading ourselves. We did all kinds of stuff ourselves so we could save money and build this the most cost-effective way to build what we wanted to build. So we did that. And we finished the house, and then we had to kind of convert it from a construction loan to a commercial loan, and so they had to send out an appraiser. This was in 2010, if you think about the market then. The appraiser came out to our house, and I'm showing them around because I wanted to see all this. Hey, do you see that? Look at that tray. We did that. And, you know, I'm, like, I'm trying to point out all the nice things in the house, right? And so he walks around, and he gets a copy of the plans. He's like, I got what I need in 15 minutes, and he's gone. And about two weeks later, I get a call from the bank. The bank says, we have a problem. Like, what do you mean we have a problem? So, well, it's the appraisal amount. And here's the thing. It was crazy. The appraisal of our brand new, just built house that we built, saved money, no builder, had the land all paid for. The appraisal for the house came in less than what it cost for us just to build the house without the property and without a builder. I was like, uh-uh. No, no, no. I got receipts for this. I know how much it costs to build this house. Don't you even dare tell me that it ain't worth this because I know how much we paid for it. And so I started arguing with them and I like sent the appraiser an email. I'm like, look, you know where you got your license? I'm going to, they're going to call them. There's going to be a case. And they're like, no, 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 come out. And so I, I'm talking with the guy and he's like, listen, man, I, I appreciate that, but it comes down to comps and all these things in the area. And he says, I'll take another look. He took another look and it came back, same thing. And at that point, I realized something. As much as I believed what the house was really worth, it didn't matter. It's what the appraiser said. I guess the point I'm trying to say is we can sit here all day long and say, you believe what you want to believe, and I believe what I want to believe, and we'll just all have our own truth. But at the end of the day, if there is a God, we need to recognize something. There's only one truth. Because the message out of our culture today is really this. Can't... I believe what I want to believe. You believe what you want to believe. We'll all be sincere. We'll all live together. And in the end, we all end up in the same place. Because that's what we hope. 
in the end, well, right, I mean, like, if there's heaven, we all will end up there regardless of, of what we believe. Aren't there many ways to get to heaven? Aren't there a lot of options? We're into options. We want options spiritually. And here's the problem. Jesus said there aren't options. There's only one way and one truth. So, so it creates attention. This is going to create attention if you're a Christ follower. You say, well, how do I know that Jesus is the way? Now, here's what we're going to do. Next week, next week, we're going to talk about the difference between the things Jesus said and claimed in Christianity and what other religions have and say. And it's going to begin to shed some light and understand some of that. And, and so what I wanted to do today, though, is a little different. Again, all I wanted to do was kind of tease you a little bit, whet your appetite, and just kind of like get you to come back next week and, and say, I need to hear the rest of this. That's all I'm trying to do. Uh, I, I want to do something different. With the remainder of our time, and some of you might find this a little pedestrian, and it's like, what about all the claims, and what about the evidence, and are we going to talk about that? We'll get to some of that stuff. But today I thought, I wanted to try to answer a question that if you're a Christian, that maybe you, you should try to answer without all that, because it's really challenging. I wanted to simply just answer a question personally for you today. And that question is this, why did I choose to follow Jesus? Why did I? Me, Tim. Why did I choose to follow Jesus? Because I could tell you, you know, this really good Christian answer, this good pastor answer. I was thinking this. I could tell you, well, I've explored the claims that Jesus made and the documented stuff. I could tell you about the mounting evidence of the resurrection and all the stories and the way they've lined up and the testimony of people's lives that told this stuff and gave their life. For I could tell you about how I think the Christian narrative is the most historically accurate narrative of history and what's going on. I could tell you about all these. I could go into all that kind of stuff. But I decided not to. Because I kind of I kind of sat down with myself. Why don't you ever do this? Kind of just with myself, just thinking. And I thought, but how did I get to here? How did I get to a place where I said, I'm all in with Jesus and I follow him? And the truth for me really ended up being not all of those things. They didn't end up being all those things. And so I wanted to share with you just three things for me. This is my personal, why I chose to follow Jesus. The first one is this, it's because I have seen what real faith looks like. I've seen what, and why I say it that way is because, let's be honest, um, faith today is, is kind of more of like a spiritual category. What faith are you of? Protestant, Catholic, Christian, Jewish, Muslim. What, what, what's your faith? Or some people would say, isn't faith like that thing for, you know, if uninformed people that don't really have answers, people that don't really buy into science completely? I mean, isn't faith that, that kind of category where we just go, we don't really know, but we're just going to believe anyways, like it's blind trust. Like, isn't that faith? And some people think that's what faith is. Can I tell you something? Faith to me is much deeper than that. Faith is more than just some category where you check a box and say, identify with this. In fact, one of the definitions uh, that a writer of Hebrews wrote down that I think is phenomenal about faith, Hebrews 11, one says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is not just some kind of ethereal like uh, construct for things I can't answer. Faith is not a category of spiritual belief systems. Faith is substance. There's something to it that's evidence for what you don't see. In other words, it changes something when you have real faith. 
There's something different. I would encourage you, read the rest of Hebrews 11. Because it doesn't talk about a belief system. It talks about action, what people did and how they lived because of faith. It says, it says, by faith, Abel gave a better offering. He gave something. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham picked up his family and traveled to another land. By faith, Moses did this. By faith, in other words, faith was so real that it was evident in their lives, that it was evidence and it was substantive of, of something that was tangible and real in their life. Why, why do I have faith in Jesus? Because I saw real faith, and I first saw it in my parents. You see, some of you probably didn't get the luxury that I had to grow up with parents that had real faith. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you're, you're the first one in your family to believe in God. But I, I had the privilege of having parents that had real faith. Not, not, I'm not talking about well, what was their belief system. I'm not talking about, well, they took us to church on some Sundays. And I'm not talking about, you know, we prayed before we ate dinner. I'm talking about faith that was so real, it changed everything about them. A faith that was so real that it changed how they talked to each other and treated each other. A faith that was so real that it changed how they treated us. A faith that was so real that it changed our household. It changed how we operated. It affected the rules by which we operated. A faith so real that it affected the things that we did with our time. It affected what we did with our money. It affected us. A faith that was so real that it gave us peace in uncertain times. That it, that it gave us purpose in life. It gave us meaning for existence. I saw a faith that was so real and so tangible in my parents. I, I watched them, listen, I watched them spend time reading the Bible, not at church, but at home. It's weird. I mean, really, we do that not just when we gather in church. I, I watched them do this, and here's why they did it. Because they believed that somehow it enabled them to understand the heart of God and draw closer to Him. I watched them worship not just at church, but at home. I saw them worship because they were in love with this one Jesus. I, I watched them. They opened their home all the time. We had strangers living with us the entire time I grew up because my parents were always opening their home to somebody that needed a place to stay. I watched them give generously when we didn't really have the money. I watched them give. I'm not talking about a tithe. I'm talking about I watched them give to missionaries, and I watched them give to causes, and I watched them give to people that were in need in the moment. I watched them serve people. In other words, I saw something that was so real and so tangible that it affected me. Some people say, you know, faith can't be proven. Can't prove it with science. I don't know what, what you want to say about that, but I'll tell you this. That faith was more real to me than the very house that I grew up in. It was so real. It changed everything about them. And I know here's the argument, and here's what some of you would say, because you're skeptical, and you say, well, the only reason you have faith is, is because they, they, they you know, indoctrinated you in what they believe. Hey, listen, that might have been true when I was a kid, but I'm an adult and I still share that same faith. You know why? Because it was real. It was real. I saw and experienced something that was so incredibly real. Listen, even to this day, my, myself and my parents, we, we don't share the same views on everything spiritually. We have some differences. We don't have the same views on all these things. And, and by the way, when I got older, 
I got to a place where I did investigate the real claims of Christianity, and I did study these things, and I did look into evidences about the, the, the Bible that we have, and I did look into things that were written about the resurrection, and I did. And you know what happened? All of that investigating, all it did was kind of sure up what I already had because I had experienced something real. So I, I'm just telling you, like, why? It's a, because I saw what real faith looked like. Another reason why I chose to follow Jesus is because I've witnessed the unexplainable and the undeniable. I've, I've witnessed it. See, one of the things that you'll read about Jesus, if you ever read about his life, and if you've never done it, I'd encourage you to do it. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. Read about the life of Jesus. And what you're going to discover, and this was written down by many different people in different accounts, is that Jesus was not just a normal man. Some people like, he was a good teacher. He had great things to say. I love the stuff that he said. No, Jesus did things that other normal humans could not do. Jesus healed people with leprosy. Jesus opened eyes of people who were blind. Jesus healed people that couldn't walk. Jesus healed people that couldn't talk. Jesus performed things. He raised dead people to life. It happened multiple times. Jesus walked on water. Jesus fed thousands with loaves of bread. Jesus did all of these things. He did the most incredible things in really declaring that he is the son of God. He performed things that normal people can't perform. He just did. And I know kind of a challenge is we're 2,000 years removed. And so you say, that's awesome. If I were there and I saw him do that, if I saw him do a little you know, moonwalking on the water, if I saw him kind of heal somebody in front of me that I know had been, you know, they couldn't walk for 38 years of life, if I saw these kind of, you know what? I'd believe then. But I, I don't get that luxury. I've not been able to see that. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to just have a belief system where I believe in a God who can create the heavens and the earth, and the Son of God who can do all those miracles, but can't do anything today. Well, I don't want to believe in a God like that. What's the point? I, I just want to believe if it's a God that can do those things and can part the Red Sea, who can cause bread to come out of heaven in the desert, who can bring water from a rock. If he can do those things, well, then I guess I want to know, can he do those things today? And the truth is, I have witnessed the unexplainable and undeniable. I've been told this. This was cool. I, I was told this. I wasn't around for this one, but my, my mom told me. She said uh, all through her, her teenage years and everything, she, she really struggled, had a lot of pain in her hip because one leg was longer than another. Some of you maybe have had that before. And, and then it causes pain, causes limp. And she wasn't. She didn't grow up in a Christian home. She grew up in a Jewish home. It wasn't until she was 19 years old before she gave her life to Christ. She said she went to a meeting one time and a guy was there talking about that God still heals. He said, come on up if you need prayer. She went up and she got prayer. And as she was getting prayed for by this guy in that moment, her leg grew out. And they had been the same ever since. And she's never had pain from it again. You, you see, what I find is there are a lot of people that don't, you know, I'm not subscribing to faith and belief in God and all that. But then the problem is, is that we experience things that are undeniable and they're unexplainable. And we can't just throw those things away. I've experienced it personally in my own life. This was crazy. When I was 15 years old, I remember my mom saying, well, she was having these horrible headaches. They'd been gone on for a long time. They were so bad. She, she came to me. She saw me. She said, hey, Tim, can you pray for me? I just, these headaches will not go away. I'm like, you want me to pray for you? 15 years old? Okay, whatever. Fine. So I just went, just laid my hands on her, just prayed, God, heal her, take this away, you know. And um, I went back downstairs to my room. It wasn't even minutes later that my mom comes downstairs and she said, the pain is gone, completely gone. 
I was like, oh my gosh, look at this. Oh, so awesome. I got the power. You know what I mean? Like, now don't come up to me and go, hey, will you pray for this? Because sometimes it don't work. And I'm just going to say, all right, I don't understand it, but. But I have seen it. I, I, there are situations. I can tell you about some of them. There's a young guy who was in our church that, that had been at incredible chest pain, had gone on like two weeks. He was incredibly, a lot of pain from it. And he's young guy, in shape guy. And he doesn't understand it. It's freaking him out. And he came up to me after a service that we had one time. And he said, I'm having this horrible pain. Will you pray for me? I'm like, all right, fine, you know. And so I just prayed for him. And, and then he left and he left the building and everything. He came back five minutes later and I saw him sitting in the back of the room tears running down his face I'm like "Uh oh this isn't good what's going on I went to him I was like dude what's wrong what's, what's going on he was like right after you prayed for me pain went away completely and it never came back I checked with him a week two weeks three weeks like never came back I was like wow that's incredible another situation I'm just telling you what I've experienced that's all I'm telling you another situation we we're having an awaken experience which we got one coming up and they're incredible and, and while we were doing it, and I was praying for people, I felt like God told me in that moment. I don't even know how to explain that. It's just a thought came in my head. And I was like, that there's people there that were struggling with infertility. One plan is just said they're struggling. And so I said, hey, if you're struggling with this, I believe, I don't know, God wants to do something. I just, I don't know why I feel this sense. Come down front. And we just want to make sure we want to pray for you. And there were several couples that came down. Guess what? Many couples that came down who couldn't get pregnant for years after years and infertility things immediately got pregnant within a month. I'm like, you're welcome. Hello. Like I, I, uh, I'm just kidding. Like I, this is God. This is God. I, I, I do need to say that the nursery workers were ticked off at me later. They're like, what is going on here? I, I don't know how else to explain it, but I've had times when I've prayed for people and God has put something in my mind and I've just been praying. I said, I'm just going to say it. And I've been able to say things that they had exactly been dealing with that nobody else knew. I, I don't know. I'm just telling you, I've witnessed the unexplainable and the undeniable. And if I'm going to believe in a God, I want to believe in a God that can still do things today. And I love what Paul said. I want to read this to you. He said this in First uh, Corinthians Chapter 2, verse 4, I love this attitude. He said, my message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I believe this because I've seen it. And I've seen God move in supernatural ways that I cannot explain. You want to know why I chose to follow Jesus? Is because these things happen. Now, here's what I also want you to know, and this is what my faith has also shown me. There have also been many times when I've prayed and God didn't answer the way I wanted him to. And what I've come to this understanding, this is mine, is this, I have this faith that believes that God can, even if he chooses not to. And I don't understand why he doesn't. For some of you, maybe that's the very reason why you've pushed away from God. You prayed for something a long time ago because someone told you God does miracles and he didn't do one in the way you wanted them to. And I don't understand why, but all I can tell you is my experience is I have seen many, many miracles. And there are times when God does what I ask him to do, and there's times when God does not do what I ask him to do. But that's why he's God, and I'm not. He's not. And so I want to share with you the third and final one, because this, for me, maybe is the most significant one for me. And this is one of the reasons why I chose to follow Jesus, is because I've experienced immeasurable grace. That's, that's the one thing I love about Jesus, when you see... And you read about Jesus, you see, here was somebody that had grace for people that no one else would have grace for. 
There's something about Jesus, the love in his eyes toward somebody who was doing the wrong things that just grabbed me. Like I, I experienced his grace. And the truth is that we all really wrestle inside with who we've become because of the things we've done. I wrestle with it. You wrestle with it. And our way of dealing with it, listen, here's what we do. Here's our way of dealing with it, is we will compare ourselves to other people so we can make ourselves feel better about ourselves. So, so I, I, if I want to feel better about myself, all I do is compare myself with somebody that doesn't have as good of morals and values and behavior. And all of a sudden, I feel a little bit better about myself. So I go to church on Sunday, but I see my neighbor out working on his yard. There's something in the back of my mind that says, well, at least I don't do that. When I see somebody that spent time in jail or sitting in prison, I think to myself, well, at least I haven't done that. I see somebody who's battling an addiction to a drug, and I say, well, at least I don't have to deal with, I'm not dealing with that. So you know what I do? After a while, it makes me feel good. I, I feel better about myself. Why do I need to feel better about myself? Is because I recognize, and deep down inside, there's a lot of things I've done that I don't like. And here's the problem with that. We always compare ourselves in one direction, but we'll never do it in the other I'm not looking at somebody who's more spiritual. I'm not looking at somebody who gives more time of theirs. I'm not looking at someone who serves more, who gives away more money. I'm not doing that. I don't want to compare that because then I feel bad about myself. And so we play this game all the time so that we can try to deal with what we feel on the inside. Here's the problem with playing this game. And here's why it doesn't work. Because at the end of the day, I don't care how much you compare yourself to somebody else to feel better. You're still stuck with you. And at the end of the day, I still felt shame, and I still felt guilt, and I still didn't like things I've done, and I still realize that. And so, you know what I came to this conclusion a long time ago? I need a Savior. Because I can't carry this. And I'm not good enough. I mean, I literally, I, I, I need you to understand something. I have done so many things in my life to mess things up. I have done, I mean, you would not believe it. I have lied I have cheated, I have stolen, I have lusted, I have hurt other people, I have broken off relationships because I did stupid things, I've been jealous and coveted other people's stuff, I've been angry at God, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Some of you are thinking, and we let him be a pastor? Why would we do that? I'm just selling you, like, I got to a place where, you know what, honestly, I felt like I can't carry this anymore. I don't like feeling this way about myself anymore. And then I'm introduced to the grace of Jesus that says, I'll take what you did upon myself and I will give you something better. I, th I said, I'll take that because I need that. It reminds me of something that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Here's what Paul said. He said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, Jesus came for an exchange. He came to exchange the way we feel about ourselves and the way we've messed up and all the things we've done wrong and you can replay in your mind over and over. He came to say, I'll take that and instead, I will give you righteousness that you did not earn and that you do not deserve so that you can be with my Father in heaven immeasurable grace grace upon grace I've experienced it and I've needed it 
And I didn't just need it one time when I was 17 years old when I realized I need a Savior, but I continually experience His grace. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual work of grace in my life that I need. And so I find myself at a place where I just said, I need His grace. He took my place so I could have His grace. So it was challenging for me because I sat down and I said, if you were to take away all the Christian answers, religious answers, scientific answers. Is there anything left? And I found out there is. There's something strong underneath me. There's a faith that I got to witness that was so real that it was like, I, it changed me. I, I got to see it in my parents. And I didn't just believe it, but it began to change me. And, and I got to see things, and I still have seen things, and I still believe God does miracles today. And I hear of miracles all the time. And something about that resonates inside of me. And when I realize how bad I am and messed up I am, but how gracious He is and how loving He is and His kindness and His forgiveness that I don't deserve, yeah, that's, that's why I've chosen to follow Jesus. So my question to you is why have you chosen if you are a Christ follower? Have you ever thought about it? Those are my reasons. Maybe yours are different. I would, I would encourage you this week. If you are a Christ follower, get alone for just a, just a moment. I want you to process and think about it. How did I end up here? What I believe? What I say I believe? Does it affect me? Does it change my life? Is it that bad? Or is it just a category I've checked? Or is it deeper than that? Because for me, it's deeper than that. It's changed everything. And my prayer for you, for everyone in Lancaster, watching this online, my prayer is that somehow through this series, whether you're a skeptic, whether you're saying someone, I don't have faith, someone who says, I wish I had faith, someone who says, I, I, I do believe in Christ. I just pray that God does something in our faith through this series that, that is just life-altering. That God does something to put something strong underneath of this. Because listen, at the end of the day, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is. That's my prayer through this series. Let's pray today. Father, I just thank you for your grace that is given to us through your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray as we go on a journey together, I, I pray, God, that you would begin to spark a, a sense of faith in those who feel like they have none. I just feel like I'm speaking right now to someone who's listening to this. And you came to church today, or you're watching this, and you say, I, I don't have faith. I, I'm not sure I believe in God anymore, or ever did. I believe that if you will just kind of open your, your mind just to listen, just to receive, if you would just say, hey, God, if you're out there, show me that you're real. I believe one way God will show you some way that he's real. God, I pray that through this series that you would make yourself more real than ever, that it's not a religion, it's not a faith, it's not a box to be checked, but something so real and tangible that it changes everything about us. And we thank you for what you're going to do in this series. We pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, come on, let's thank him for his grace today. Amen.